Welcome back, everybody, to the Hoops District Podcast, and today we're going to be talking about contenders and pretenders. Teams, I feel, are truly contenders in, like, making a playoff, a deep playoff run in their conference, and which teams are good, but they're not there yet, and they need a couple extra pieces to get there. I'll start off with the Eastern Conference, and there are pretty much only four teams that could potentially reach the NBA Finals, and those four teams are the Boston Celtics, Toronto Raptors, Milwaukee Bucks, and the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, the second round is going to be a bloodbath. This is probably the best Eastern Conference we've, we've seen in a few years, probably since like 2009, 2010. That was the best it's been. It's This is the best it's been since then, and I think it's probably better. All these four, all these teams could potentially all win over 50 games, and I don't think that's been done since uh, Michael Jordan's era. I just, I, I mean, the Indiana Pacers are have been winning games, but I don't see them making it anywhere past the second round, especially since Victor Oladipo is out. They've been really, like, don't get me wrong, they've been really, really good. Like, the fact that they're still winning games is very impressive. No star on the team with Oladipo out of the lineup, but they're still playing very well. Uh, the ball movement, the defense, and just overall just team basketball to team effort. They don't rely on one guy to carry the load every night. Uh, it's just a group effort. Uh, props to Nate McMillan. He's definitely done a remarkable job uh, making sure everybody knows their role. Everyone's Everyone knows their role. They have great depth. I mean, it's definitely cons- Nick McMillan definitely getting consideration for Coach of the Year. Uh, but Victor Oladipo was their star player, and even if he was healthy, the Indiana Pacers still lack star power, and you need star power in the playoffs with the slower pace, more isolation, uh, playing the same team and game planning against the same team, studying film against the same team for weeks, and you need that guy who can take over a game when needed. And the Pacers really don't have that right now with Victor Oladipo gone. Like, they play more of a team-oriented style of basketball. And in some cases, that does work. But I don't, not, I really, it's not in the Pacers' case. Against the Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, or Raptors, like, I mean, you're not going to count on Boyan Bogdanovich or Miles Turner to get you 25 a night. Even though both of those guys are amazing players, like they can't really take over a game, and you they're gonna need that come playoff time. So I really don't see Indiana like they're they're good, but and I I was a believer in them with Oladipo. Uh, but even then with Oladipo, they lacked um another star, and you need that you need that in, to get far, especially in today's NBA with uh, the super teams. Now, 
Let's get into the Bucks, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Sixers. Who are the four teams that all have a shot at reaching the finals? I can't wait for the second round, man. I can't wait to watch that. It's going to be so exciting. All these te- these guys, these teams are going to play in the second round. It's going to be crazy. The Philadelphia 76ers definitely have the best starting five. Second best starting five in the league, in my opinion. But they also, in my opinion, have the worst chance of reaching the finals out of those four teams. Like, they might be talented on paper, but they don't match up at all well with the Milwaukee Bucks, Toronto Raptors, or the Boston Celtics. Mainly the Celtics. Like, they really struggle against the Celtics. All these teams usually uh, come out victorious against the Sixers. In this season, I've watched they uh, a lot of Sixer games against like these teams, and um, they really don't match up at all well uh, with uh, the Bucks or the Raptors or the Celtics. The Sixers are not as deep as either of those teams. They don't have the shooting that those teams have, and they don't really have the defense that those teams have either. Um, the Bucks, Raptors, and Celtics all have a better chance of reaching the finals, in my opinion. So, the Sixers are out. Now we have three teams. The Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Toronto Raptors. I believe that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to win the East. Um, many people say that, you know, the Bucks are inexperienced and Giannis Antetokounmpo hasn't won a playoff series. But I have a few reasons why I think they're winning the East. Giannis, he's my MVP, and he's taking that next step. He's going to be the face in the, of the league in a few years and is arguably the best player in the league right now. He's got the perfect coach, the perfect system, and the perfect roster around him to really flourish. The Milwaukee Bucks GM, John Horst, has done a remarkable job building around Giannis and acquiring the best personnel to surround Giannis with. And it's pretty similar to what the Cleveland Cavaliers did um, with LeBron James Giannis Antetokounmpo is a gifted athlete that can get to the rim whenever the hell he wants. And when you surround him with a plethora of great three-point shooters, that adds a whole another dimension to his game. Because he's a great passer now. He's averaging six, six assists a game this season. Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, Brooke Lopez, Ersan Aliasova, Nikola Mirotic, Tony Snell... Pat Connaughton, all of these great shooters that Giannis can just drive and kick to. Malcolm Brogdon's averaging 50, 40, 90 this year. Chris Middleton was an all-star. Nikola Mirotic was averaging 16 a game in in, um, in New Orleans. And Brooke Lopez is 7-foot Clay Thompson. And he's also got a great, great point guard in Eric Bledsoe who just got a contract extension, uh, four years, $70 million, and he deserved all of it. Congrats to Eric Bledsoe for that. 
and he can run the offense when needed, and he's really a, a, a really nice, he complements Giannis's game very well. And then Mike Budenholzer, Coach Bud. He's the perfect coach for Giannis. He's an offensive and defensive mastermind. The Bucks are top five in both offensive and defensive rating. Like, he's really helped change the culture in Milwaukee. Jason Kidd was a shit coach, especially for a player like Giannis. And Jason Kidd had a lot of questionable defensive schemes that ultimately, you know, got him fired. Giannis is going to be the face of the league, a lead on both ends of the floor. And he's got to have the perfect coach, the perfect team around him to truly succeed. And, uh, yeah, Bud, offensive mastermind and defensive mastermind. The Milwaukee Bucks are top five in both offense and defense this year. So it's really, really paid off, their signing of Mike Budenholzer. The Bucks have great depth, great coaching, and a lot of really good players. Um, you know, I think I think the Bucks are going to win the East this year. In terms of who they'll face in the conference finals, I got Boston. Because my thing with Toronto is, uh, and it's kind of similar to what Boston has, but I'll explain why I think Boston's over them in a minute, even though they have the same issue right now. Um, in my opinion, who's the number two guy? Kawhi Leonard is their superstar and their go-to guy on offense. But who's the number two guy? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of Pascal Siakam. He's probably the most improved player in the league. Uh, either him or Buddy Heald right now. Uh, but is he really the guy that you're going to rely on night in, night out? Like if, say, Kawhi goes 7 for 22 or something, 8 for 20, you know, 6 for 19. Kawhi's got a rough shooting night. Can you, like, cons- like consistently rely on Siakam to, like, okay, Kawhi's struggling, take the ball, take over, we need you to get 35 to win the game. Can Siakam really do that? Like, he's a great, great young player, a future star in this league. Definitely, definitely a bunch of all-star appearances on the way. But, like, at this point in his career, he can't really do that. So then who are you going to go to? Kyle Lowry? He's been really struggling this year offensively. Uh, Like, 14 points a game on barely 40% shooting. Uh, and he also tends to underperform in the postseason. Is he your number two guy? Like he's he's not he's not even as offensively uh, he's not even better offensively this year than Pascal Siakam. So yeah, and that's the same issue I have with Boston. Like I mentioned before, who's the number two guy? If Kyrie Irving is struggling, if Kyrie Irving has an off night. Who's the number two guy? Because Jason Tatum hasn't progressed as quickly as everybody thought. Neither has Jalen Brown. And uh, Gordon Hayward, obviously, he's not. He's, he had the freak injury. He's not going to be that guy. No way in hell. But the thing with Boston is that's, that, that's um, why they're better than Toronto is they have the best closer in basketball 
Kyrie Irving is the most clutch player in the NBA, and he relishes under pressure. And there is no other player in the league that I would want with the ball in a close game in the fourth quarter with six to eight minutes left. Six to eight minutes left, not 68. So that's what separates Boston and Toronto for me. Kyrie Irving, he's a closer. He can close games out when you need him to. So I questioned both teams about who's going to be the number two option, but Kyrie Irving is the best closer in basketball. So if, like, that's, yeah, and that's what separates them. Kawhi Leonard, he's he's great, but he's not the closer Kyrie Irving is. And in a close game, we saw what Kyrie Irving did to them when that game went down to the wire in TD Garden. Uh, Kawhi, had, uh, sorry, Kawhi, Kyrie Irving had 27 points and 18 assists and hit a dagger right in Kawhi Leonard's face to seal the deal. Yeah. I think Boston and Milwaukee will match up in the conference finals, and the Milwaukee Bucks will pull away, reach the finals, win the East, and lose to the Golden State Warriors. On to the Western Conference. I just said, obviously, Golden State's going to you know win the championship. No surprises there at all. But I'm going to talk about who will match up with Golden State in the Western Conference Finals and how the seeding will play out. Okay, just first things first before we get into that. If the Lakers lose to the Suns tonight, hell, their season is over. I'm not I'm not going to count them out just yet. Like, if they, if they don't lose to the Suns, I'm not counting them out just yet. I mean, LeBron has been in this situation... Too many times for me to count him out, even though, like, the defense, man. I Everyone's, like, it's, okay, with LeBron's defense, like, it's not that he can't play defense. He's clearly a capable defender. We've seen that. But it's just his effort is, he doesn't care. He'll just, if the, if he, if, like, the Lakers miss a shot, the other team gets the rebound, and they're running on the fast break. Everybody else on the Lakers is running back. And LeBron James is just, like, he's just all on the other side not getting back on defense. He's just strolling around like he's in a park. Like, get back on defense. Um, Yeah. And he'll some and it, he'll he'll be standing in the paint, and his man will be wide open at the three point line, and then he'll hold his hands up like he did nothing wrong, and it was his teammates' fault. Such weak closeouts, terrible help. Like he's a capable defender. I'm like I'm not saying he can't defend, but you need to have effort on defense. And don't tell me. He's, like, don't tell me he's wasting too much energy on the offensive end. Because Paul George, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and James, uh, not James Harden, sorry, not James Harden. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Paul George are MVP candidates. 
and are elite on both ends of the floor and do it on both ends of the floor. So if LeBron's still the best player in the world to you, he should be doing that. And he's not. Anyway, like, I mean, but still, LeBron James is amazing. And he's been in this situation too many times for me to count him out. I think they'll squeeze into the eighth seed. And if the Warriors get the one seed, they're out. The Lakers are out. But if a team like Denver, who's been back and forth with Golden State, like they've been trading places in the one and two spots, if Denver gets the one seed, then I can see LA getting past the first round. But then I'll probably lose in the second round. But if they lose tonight to the Phoenix Suns, I do not see them making the playoffs, even with LeBron James. And even though there's still going to be like 19 games left, if they lose to the Suns tonight, it's not happening. So Oklahoma City and Houston are the biggest threats to the Warriors. OKC and Houston. Denver, Denver's inexperienced. Like, I love Denver. I love watching them play. Nicole Jokic is a stud. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, excellent young backcourt. And they have a great young core. And they're going to be true, true contenders in a couple of years. But, like, this year, I do not, like, they're inexperienced. And I'll be surprised if they get anywhere past the first round. I'd be, like, I mean, I could see them winning a playoff series. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if they didn't. And then Portland, I mean, they've always had successful regular season play. And then they, you know, a lot of the times they face the Warriors in the first round. Probably won't happen this year, but a lot of the times they don't. They usually underperform in the playoffs. Uh, Houston and OKC, they have the best chance of facing the Warriors in the conference finals. And I really don't know which one. Like, Houston obviously has played the Warriors last year and had a great chance of making the finals, but then CP3 went down with a hamstring injury, and the Rockets might have um, might have beat the Warriors in seven games if Chris Paul had played. I don't think they would have. I still think the Warriors would have won, but a lot of people think otherwise, and it definitely could have happened. Um, but... You know, the Rockets had that awful Game 7 shooting performance and lost. My thing with Houston is they are not at all the same team they were last year defensively. Got rid of Trevor DeRiza and Luka Mbamute. Yeah, that's only two guys, but they were enormous on the defensive end for the Rockets because they had a top 10 defense last year. They switched everything, and now, you know, Gerald Green is not a very good defender. P.J. Tucker's an amazing defender, but is like you don't have a lot of defenders on that team. Capella, Tucker, Chris Paul. I mean, who else? Three guys, Capella, Tucker, and Paul. I mean, like, Shumpert's a, a solid defender. Shumpert's not anything special. Uh, obviously not James Harding, so... Any, like, they're not... They're not 
the same team they were like I think they're like 25th or 28th or something like that or 23rd in defense this year and James Harden also underperforms in the postseason and that's largely due to the fact that the refs are more lenient with the calls in the playoffs and Harden is not going to get away with the calls he gets in the regular season in the playoffs and it's Mainly because in the playoffs, the refs allow more physicality and, you know, they're more, um, they're more lenient, I guess, with the calls. They're not as, uh, gullible to James Harden's, uh, how he sells it. Uh, and James Harden needs those calls. He's the best free throw shooter in the league right now, and he gets to the line around 12 times per game, 11.6 to be exact. And if he's not getting those calls, he's going to be throwing up a lot of bad shots trying to get those calls, like some double pump fake threes. You know how he does that to get the guy in the air, puts his body into them, and then chucks it up, and then he goes to the free throw line for three shots. Like a lot of times in the playoffs, he'll try to do that, and they don't call it. And it's just going to go like air ball or, like, over the shot clock or something, it's going to go way off, and then, you know, it's going to be a lot of inefficient shots because he's going to try to get the calls. He's going to take a lot of bad shots to try to get the calls, uh, like, really bad shots with, like, two guys draped all over him. And that's why his efficiency drops in the playoffs and thus his play. With OKC... Paul George has become the best player on the team, playing easily the best basketball of his career, top three MVP candidate. But Russell Westbrook, number one, he's not as good in the playoffs. And number two, he tends to play hero ball in the fourth quarter and then like take contested threes with plenty of time left on the clock and brick. I really, it's he's he's really brain dead in the fourth quarter a lot of times when he when he doesn't defer to Paul George, which he should, because sometimes he does defer to Paul George in those moments, but other times he'll just chuck up a contested three that will ultimately cost them the game, especially in a playoff like environment. Uh, yeah, he I that's it's really brain dead what he does. It's really brain dead at all that he's shooting as much threes as he is. He's shooting five a game, and he's not even sh- like he's he's shooting like twenty eight percent from three, and he's shooting like five a game. So, and they the they they the Thunder won't be able to win if Russell Westbrook like if he is taking like thirty shots a night. He's gotta defer to Paul George because the offense will run more smooth and more fluidly under Paul with Paul George like taking over the offense because you know he's just a way more natural and you know uh fluid and gifted scorer than Russell Westbrook is uh much more smooth uh it's pretty incredible to watch what Paul George has been doing so Russell Westbrook's you got to you can't if you want the Thunder to like get far, make a deep playoff run, 
Like, if a game comes down to the fourth quarter, unless you're, like, opened, don't get the ball and there's 20 seconds left in the shot clock and throw up a brick three with two guys on you. Because that's what he does a lot and that costs him a lot of games. Also, another thing Westbrook does a lot is he'll like he'll friggin like run like ram right into the defense blindly and then lose the ball. He did that against Boston and he's done that against a, a couple other teams I've watched um and it's cost them games. He's just he'll get like a team misses a shot they might not the thunder might not have any timeouts left but there's still a lot of time on the clock and he'll just get the rebound instead of slowing it down uh waiting to get the best shot possible he'll just grab the rebound ram in full speed and just ram into the defense blindly not looking at all and just lose the ball and then you know cost them the game so westbrook get smarter please if you want the thunder to win Gotta defer to Paul George in those moments. Houston and OKC have the best chances, and uh, both of those teams are going to lose to the Warriors. Whichever one makes it, they're gonna lose to the Warriors, and the Warriors are going to three beat. I've come to accept that. I came to accept that ever since you know they got Demarcus Cousins, and even before then, they probably were gonna win it anyway. Even though, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Kevin Durant might not be with them next year, even though I think he should stay. But that's another topic for another day. Uh, that's all for today's episode of the Hoops District Podcast. Uh, be sure to check us out on all media platforms, uh, like podcast-wise. Uh, but... Follow me on Instagram at hoops underscore district and on Twitter at the hoops district. And uh, I'm out. Peace.